CEOs of Reddit, Robinhood, and financial firms Citadel and Melvin Capital, as well as one of the Redditors that started all this, all appeared before the House Committee on Financial Services to discuss what the heck happened with GameStop stock. It's clear from the session that people really have no idea what's going on behind the scenes in the trading world. So let's dig into this. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Here to regale us with highlights from the hearing is Ian Schur, our de facto GameStop reporter. Welcome, Ian. Hey, how you doing? So you spent the better part of yesterday listening to this House Committee meeting. What were some of the big takeaways from the session? Yeah, so five and a half hours I listened so you don't have to. Um, you know, primarily the big thing that we all learned, as you pointed out in your intro, is that it's shocking how little Congress understands about how the market works, but also how poorly all of the people on who were actually testifying could explain how the market works. They kept kind of circling around these same issues over and over. Like uh, one of the big dramas that happened uh, during that GameStop week, I'll call it, is that Robinhood, the trading app that's popular with millennials and post millennials or Gen Z or whatever you call them, it stopped trading of GameStop stock. You couldn't buy stock from GameStop or for GameStop for uh, pretty much a day. And it was right after it had hit its peak, what became its peak. And a lot of people attributed the fall that followed afterward to yeah, Robinhood basically manipulating the market. Robinhood uh, has financial ties to the hedge funds in some weird kind of, you know, one of those conspiracy board things with all the little ties everywhere. And as a result, uh, there was a sense that Robinhood really had 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 done wrong. And Robinhood did a very poor job of explaining what it was doing and why. And, you know, you kind of come out of it thinking, OK, I guess that's what happened. But it was really annoying. Yeah, I, I kind of remarked or, or observed how that, you know, he, he, he tried to the CEO, Vlad uh, Tenev, tried to explain away his you know, the the sort of capital obligation for the 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 amount of trades, the collateral for the trades that were were to, to cover the huge volume of trades, um, and it, it seemed like it was like an answer. He kept going back to. He kept getting grilled and grilled. I mean, you listen to most of this. Uh, who was really under the biggest hot seat during this the line of questioning by? The House committee members. I would say that Robin Hood got the majority. It, I didn't do the math and tally, but I would say it was either Robin Hood or it was um, one of the hedge funds uh, run by Mr. Griffin. And I, I'm really kind of curious to see whether or not kind of Congress sees this opportunity to force a little bit of a change in these new apps. You know, Robin Hood was somewhat of a revolutionary app when it came out. They didn't have any uh, trading fees, which was very unusual at the time. And they came up with a business model where they could still make money without those commissions. And uh, what they did was that they basically gave uh, access to the order flow or basically what you're ordering as you're ordering it to hedge funds and whoever else would buy it, who then, in theory, even though it's questionably legal, could make trades based upon what you were doing before you did it. 
So it's it's all kind of very mushy. And I think Congress got at that a lot. And, um, you know, Tenev really did a poor job of defending himself. I think he he kind of ended up saying, well, you know, this is the way it is. I got to make money somehow. And, you know, T.S. to the people who screwed up. Yeah. Do you think that folks knew about this? Because we've heard about these no fee trades. Obviously, like you said, it was revolutionary. Several brokerage firms, brokerages started offering no-fee trades. It really changed the industry here. But do folks, particularly individual and retail investors, uh, you know, who who aren't part of the Wall Street community, do you think they understood what that meant and what they were actually trading away when they, you know, took that offer of no-fee trades? Uh, I think absolutely not. And to that point, the FTC actually sued Robinhood back last year for not disclosing this stuff more uh, aggressively, right? And and doing a good jo- enough job to actually explain their business model to everyone. Because in a lot of ways, it's possible that you got a worse deal on a stock when you push the order button through Robinhood than you would have through another uh, trading app, merely because of the system. That's a great point I want to bring up because there, there are these two terms that... Uh, that are sort of the label for these trades. One is best, which I assume meant that's you know the best possible trade you're going to get, the best offer you're going to get on the, the the stock you're selling or buying. But then there's something called enhanced best, which to me sounds like an oxymoron. I, can you break down what that means and like how these companies actually address the differences between? best and enhanced best? Yeah, I mean, it's almost like all those euphemisms, right? Enhanced interrogation and everything we had. I feel like the word enhanced never plays out well. But um, what ended up, basically, the the best price in theory is when you push the order button, there is then an effort to go get you the stock. And of course, this is if you don't set a price that you want, right? And it'll say, okay, I'm going to find you the stock and we will give you an offer and you'll, you'll buy it because you just said buy it at any price and what the enhanced best turns into is that as that order is going through the system people who have paid to see access to it could actually come in and buy the stock a little lower than you knowing that it's going to go up right because if you buy it it, you know it kind of goes up a little fraction right and as a result they will actually have a better price or an enhanced best price compared to you is that that sounds really shady, right? Am I am I wrong in thinking that 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 seems kind of iffy? I mean, I think that the the lesson we've learned from this hearing, if nothing else, and we learned it a decade ago too, but we haven't really internalized it yet, is that a lot of the of the kind of intricate workings of the market do turn out a little shady. It's interesting because when you start looking at the market and you go beyond what people usually think of as a stock market, which is that I buy a share and I have a fraction of a company, and you start looking into all the what we call derivatives, right, and all these other things that are involved in the market, it all starts to feel a little shady. Uh, And I think it really speaks to, you know, there was this one moment in the hearing where uh, a, a Democrat Brad Sherman was uh, it, it was asking questions of Citadel CEO Kenneth Griglin, and 
basically asked him to explain this best and enhanced best stuff and, you know, how it all ends up playing out and what ends up happening. And Sherman kind of tried to, or sorry, Griffin tried to kind of explain his way around it, right? And he said, well, you know, the execution quality and all of that. And Sherman got super frustrated and he's like, no, you're, you're, you're trying to evade the question. Like, you're screwing people over. And I think it, it underscores how tough it is to really break into understanding this stuff in a way that you can really get it and understand how people are being treated in this market. Because truly, uh, one thing the, the hearing kind of came down on is that if you're not a multimillionaire who has, like, high-powered traders working for you, you are not you're having a different experience in the market and you are getting treated different and you're getting different prices and ultimately you make less money. Yeah, and that raises a great question. I think it's one of the questions asked or themes asked during yesterday's session was that whether or not individual investors who don't have the resources of a multimillionaire should have access to sophisticated tools like the ability to buy options or short sell or, or buy on margin how do these companies address that and, and, and the, the notion that some of these investors, these individual investors need more protection? Yeah, I, I, the companies generally want investors to be there because then they can build them, right? <laughs> and um, and what ended up happening is that the Democrats and the Republicans basically started arguing about, you know, through their questions to the to the to the people who were uh, speaking to the committee because they don't really get to talk to each other. Um, they started really arguing about whether or not there should be gatekeeping in the stock market, right? And and whether or not, well, you know, it already is that if you want to buy shares in a private company like Robinhood, you have to get uh, you have to go through all these hoops and, you know, have a certain amount of money and prove different things. And then you can buy shares in a private company, whereas, you know, on the public markets, you just put money in, you get it. And uh, the Republicans very clearly were like, no, we, we should open this up even further and give people access to anything they want. Right. They're, people. Not everyone's a dummy and people should have the right to do what with their money, what they want. And. And of course, on the other side, we had the Democrats arguing that, you know, not to shut this stuff down, but instead to create regulations that ensure people are informed and and walk into this knowing what they're signing up for. And uh, I think that at the very least, that's what the Federal Trade Commission seems to agree with, is that when they sued Robin Hood, it was about lack of disclosure, lack of transparency, and thus creating an environment where people thought, oh, I can play the market just easy. Yeah, I think that's the that's the big issue is whether or not there's ever going to be enough I guess transparency, you know, Robin Hood at the beginning of the session uh kind of, you know, talked about Robin Hood learned the resources on the site, the fact that some of this stuff is clearly disclosed when really it's not. And then you can make the argument that you know, unless the terms of services are like one sentence long and it's like a flashing box that 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 pops up you know, as you sign up, there really isn't, I mean, is there any kind of level of disclosure that will get folks to understand what's going on? Because it, these are fairly complicated questions or these are complicated processes that really don't work well unless you're you're one of the few people who actually digs into the, the terms of service. Most people are going to miss this stuff, right? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think of it in a lot of ways, the way that it comes down to driving a car, right? You have to get a license, but at the end of it, you still don't really understand how a powertrain works. And you, you know, and if you end up having to repair it, you're going to go to someone who knows a lot more and can screw you over. And the reality is that we are create we are in a market where a lot of the financial markets at this point are in kind of a weird kind of warfare between between each other, right? Where they, where the power and access to information is the thing that allows you to make the most money, and I think that that's something that is hard to to fix because people pay a lot of money for that for that information. Uh, Bloomberg, the terminals, right? The these very expensive information stores. They cost a ton of money because it takes a lot of money to put that stuff together and then to be able to give it to you at a fast enough speed and all that stuff. I don't know how to fix it, honestly. And even if you put a big flashing uh, you know, sentence that explained everything in the world and suddenly got you to understand, most people are going to just press OK and not read it. So... I don't know the solution other than, you know, perhaps actually teaching financial literacy to the whole country, right? Having that be as important as learning English and math uh, and, and that type of stuff. But, you know, I, I doubt that that'll happen anytime soon. Right. And look, the line of questioning, there was definitely a lot of back and forth between Democrats and Republicans. Ultimately, I mean, do you think this will lead to more regulations or if nothing else? I assume lawmakers will scrutinize the fintech industry a lot more, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, when we walked into this hearing, uh, you know, there was this one moment that I, I kind of kept coming back to that uh, when Robinhood was was restricting shares of GameStop, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the, the congresswoman from New York, tweeted out that this was totally wrong and it needs to be changed and they need to investigate it. And then Ted Cruz, the Republican from, from Texas, uh, retweeted her and said, I agree. <laughs> and then Donald Trump Jr. also kind of agreed with her. And I'm like, wow, if you have those three people who are very much on different sides of the spectrum agreeing on something, watch <laughs> out. And I did think that something was going to come of all of this. But after this hearing, as is typically with a lot of congressional hearings around tech, I feel I, I come out of it feeling I don't really know if they even understand enough to do anything about it. And this is the Financial Services Committee. This is not like general Congress. These are the people in theory who are being, you know, who are put on these committees because they understand this stuff or they're going to learn this stuff. And they don't. And I, yeah, I, I don't know how this will play out in the end. I doubt, if anything, there'll be probably a little more transparency required, but no major changes. Right. The one person we didn't mention was Reddit trader Kevin Gill, known as Roaring Kitty on YouTube. Uh, and and another name on Reddit that I won't repeat uh, for this podcast. He, what what was the, what was the extent of his interactions? Because at times I, I listened to some of it as well, but it, it seemed like he was almost an afterthought after his opening statement. Because they 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 tend to ha they tend to spend a lot of time on the hedge funds and Robinhood. Uh, but what did you make of his uh, his interactions with lawmakers? Yeah, I think that. If I were to guess why he was even invited, it's probably because he was 
you know, his name was splashed across the Wall Street Journal and he became the symbol of this whole thing, even though in reality, he's just a guy who, you know, whether or not he has a trading license or is financially savvy, whatever, who he helped kick off this whole thing. And at one point, there was a lot of accusations. And in fact, he's been hit by a lawsuit uh, saying that he had manipulated the market and that he had uh, he had he had gotten people to invest in GameStop merely so that he would make more money. And I think that once he kind of ended up there, a lot of Congress realized, oh, he's just, you know, he's a stand in for the everyday guy. He Mm -hmm. just he stumbled upon a really good deal and he made a lot of money. Good for him. And that's, you know, in, in the end, every question that I remember that was asked of him was very much like the survey questions you would ask a normal American. <laughs> like, do you think this is fair? Do you think this is how things should be? Right. And, you know, and of course he answered the way that normal people would, right? Um, and so it was very different. For, and also his, his answers were very straightforward. I mean, I, I keep coming back to like the Robin Hood CEO he, by comparison, at one point, the one congresswoman asked him, you know, he said, I admit to having made mistakes. And the congresswoman asked him specifically, what mistakes did you make? What are you admitting to? And there was this kind of awkward silence. He said, I admit to always improving. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that just, it says everything, right? Like, you know, they don't, they don't even understand why they called everyone there. So, of course, the guy who made all the money uh, ended up being there for reasons that really don't make any sense. But he did get to, you know, he had a cat poster in the background that told you to hang in there. I thought that was really great. <laughs> and he had, he was in a gamer chair and a YouTube microphone, a typical YouTube microphone. So a lot of people were like, this is moment, right? This is YouTube's moment in Congress <laughs> where the YouTube cu- culture gets to show its face. Uh, so you had that. The only thing missing was a hoodie. Yes. Um, I will say, I mean, his answers were, were generally pretty straightforward, which, like you said, was a bit of a contrast with some of the other uh, folks who appeared before Congress. Uh, what's next for this? Great question. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, at this point, the the committee has said that they're going to hold more hearings. I totally trust that that will be true. Uh, I think that what's likely to happen is the same thing that's happened whenever there's been financial regulation efforts, is that unless everything suddenly goes down the tubes, it's going to be really hard to convince both sides of Congress to actually do anything about this. And that's that's just how it is. I mean, I remember what, how hard it was to get the Dodd-Frank uh, uh, legislation passed. And even then, it, it ended up getting kind of declawed over the years. So I, I imagine that we're going to be in a similar situation where you know, probably we'll hear more yelling about it and there'll probably be, uh, you know, more investigation and scrutiny of Robin Hood because they seem to really have a, a model that could lead to people getting screwed over and they don't really realize that. And I think that they'll be forced to change a little bit, but that that'll likely be it. Got it. Well, Ian, thank you for your time. You can check out his story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>